TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Welcome into the nightcap. My final show of the week, but Corey Griswold will have some good stuff for you tomorrow. I am... Heading across the country to Arizona, visit my mom in what is going to be 110 degree heat. That part of it I'm not looking forward to, but Corey will bring you through tomorrow night and Friday night, and I'll be back on Tuesday. So we got a half hour show tonight also, so I'm not going to complain all that much for being abbreviated. I had three hours yesterday, I had three hours today, so you've heard plenty from me. You could use a few days break from me, I think, on the airwaves here. Um... So, 7.30 tonight, pregame coverage starts between Montreal and Tampa Bay. Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. Going to be a bit of a UFC-themed show, though, because if you've heard this show enough, if you've heard me on the station enough, when there's a big UFC card, I like to preview it before the fights that are normally take place on Saturday. And this week, UFC 264. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier as the headliners. And normally, I bring on Matt Perino from New York State, NewYorkUpstate.com. Matt joins me now on the West Her Hotline a couple of days before the fight. Uh, Matt, who, of course, if you follow him on Twitter or follow really any Bills beat reporter on Twitter, you would have seen that Matt was the uh, the best dressed at the John Scott wedding uh, of Spectrum News. <laughs> Matt, you had, you had to have some gumption to really, to even, I think, show up in that, let alone pull it off. I've said it for 15 years now since I met my wife. She picks something out or says I look good in something, and that gives me the confidence. Uh, <laughs> but it was quite the conversation piece. But, hey, man, are you, are you all right? You need a nap? Uh, you are, you've been going all day. Uh, I respect the heck out of you. And I actually texted you, yeah. I think, yesterday and said, hey, let's talk some fights uh, because you do do such a good job of covering it all, man. I mean, you got your Sabres pod. You, all, your Bills takes are always great. And, and, and he talks of UFC, so thanks for having me on. Hey, man, I, I appreciate the kind words. Don't You don't have to say my Bills takes are always great, because even I know that they are not always great. Um, <laughs> but, yes, thank you. And, yeah, you know, like I, I'm, I got a few days coming off up ahead here. And I am glad also that you reached out to me because you were on earlier with Sal, and I know you guys were talking plenty of football. But I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really want to double dip into that. Do I want to ask Matt to come on again? So when you reached out, I'm like, okay, he's obviously fine with it because – he reached out to me. I'm sure. Like, who doesn't love talking about this when, I mean, your knowledge is deeper than mine. I would consider mine mostly entry level when it comes to UFC. Like, even the the second fight on the card. Like, Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson. Like, these are guys I've heard of, 
but not quite a level of fight that I would be able to break down like I think I could with McGregor and Poirier. Um, so always good to have you on to kind of expand on that. While we're on that, I guess, outside of McGregor Poirier, which we'll spend almost all of this time on, any other fights interest you on this card? Would Burns and Thompson be the next one, given that it's right right before it? Yeah, um, I, I love that fight. It's a guy coming off of a title fight against Kamaru Usman. Nobody's beaten him yet. Uh, he, he got absolutely outclassed, but this is a chance to get back in there against uh, kind of a gatekeeper of the division, Stephen Thompson. But, you know, for NFL fans out there, Greg Hardy is the third fight on the, the main card here. He's going up against, I think, his toughest test to date and tied to Avasa, uh, the Australian dude that uh, celebrates all of his wins by pouring a big uh, beer into a shoe and uh, chugging it. It's called a shoey. It's, it's very entertaining, disgusting, uh, so that's always fun to watch. But, hey, man, open, I think we've talked about him before. Sean O'Malley fights on this card. Again, I'm a yes. little bit disappointed that uh, his opponent had to pull out. He's now fighting Chris Moutinho, uh, who's making his UFC debut on short notice. So it's probably not going to go well. But, again, this is the thing with Sean O'Malley is, like, I'm waiting for him to, to, to have a fight that the result will earn some of my respect. I think Cheeto Vera, that was a respect-earning opportunity, and – you know, he, he lost, and I know that it was a controversial loss, but it's, a, it's, a, it's still an L in, in my eyes. So I'm excited about O'Malley. I'd like to kind of get behind him a little bit, but I'd like them to kind of step up the UFC and, and maybe give him some real top five, maybe even top ten opponents going forward. Yeah, we've been hearing about him for the last couple of years. you think if he wins this fight, then that would be next for him? I mean, or at least it should be next, I would think. He's 13-1. and one. I mean, you – you got to get. He's talking a lot of trash. He's talking to Cody Garbrandt, who I know has had a tough run lately. The last year, he's had a couple knockouts. Uh, been on the wrong end of those. Former champion, but that's just it. He's a former champion. He's gone up and he's beaten. He, he, he. I will say this, Joe. I've seen a lot of great performances over the years, and I've always been a Cody fan. He's actually a friend of mine, so there's some bias there. But if you watch his fight against Dominic Cruz, the absolute technical, just superb overmatching of an icon. I mean, Dominic Cruz at that stage in his career, I know he's coming off the injury. He had, he had never been beaten like that. I mean, he, I right. think he only lost once before that. It was just special. And so there's a lot of guys in this division at 135 that have accomplished a lot. And I like to see O'Malley fight one of those guys. Maybe we'll get that next. I remember that Garbrandt Cruz fight. I was I loved Garbrandt in that fight. Like he had that little bit of showmanship, and it was the striking that really like put him over the top. And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy like maybe the makings of a star. And you're right, like it's just kind of felt fallen off uh, since there. They lost T.J. Dillashaw, a couple of others in in the middle there. Um, let, let's get to the headliner here though, because we'll spend most of our time on that. Uh, McGregor is Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, their third matchup. They fought earlier in their careers. McGregor with a first-round knockout. They fought, what is that, less than a year ago now? Would have been at some point in COVID Mm because they know there were no fans. And McGregor got knocked out in the second round. Um, This go-round, McGregor opened as a favorite, but he is now a slight underdog at plus 108, at least at the odds I'm looking at uh, on Bet Online. Dustin Poirier is at minus 128. Do you think that's deserving? Do you think Poirier should be considered the favorite here? I think we're going to see this thing fluctuate throughout the week, like you said, and I think that that is the way it's going to go and how it should go because it really is a pick em fight. I, I think that the thing that Connor has going for him in this fight, in my opinion, is he's kind of, you know, 
fallen off the face of the earth uh, these last couple months for his training camp. And historically, when he's done this, we've seen the best version of him come out. I think that we're going to see him tomorrow at the press conference come out and absolutely blow the doors off. I would imagine – I tell this story sometimes, or I used to, you know, when I was covering UFC full-time. You know, I was able to kind of see behind the scenes a little bit with Connor, And he, had, he kept, like, a notebook. And any time an idea – he would study his opponents, whether it be fighting or just them as people. Any type of idea, whether it be for the fight, or for the verbal warfare, he would write a note down in his, in his notepad, and he would come prepared for the fight and for these exchanges in the media. And I think that what we're going to see tomorrow is no more of this Mr. Nice Guy, Connor. He's going to come, you know, correct with some really good verbal sparring that I think Dustin Poirier has got to be ready for because that's where he admitted he, he kind of shrank in the moment when all of that happened in the first fight. And I think that's what Connor has to do. No more of this nice stuff like the charity talk. This is a fight game. I mean, when he's been at his best, it's been high stakes where he's made his opponent uncomfortable before they even step in the octagon. So that's what I'm watching for, and that's what has me, at least right now, and I reserve the right to change my mind, leaning toward Connor in the rematch Mm -hmm. because I think that they'll make adjustments to the leg kick. um, And I I still think that that power is going to be there for him, but we'll see. I wanted to ask you about that leg kick because it's more of a technical question. I'm not even sure if you can answer it to its full extent, but I've wondered a lot about that. I watched the full, the second fight in back in full the other day, and you know it was coming, so you were watching for it. The, the leg kicks from Poirier building up, especially over the second round to the point where McGregor, because he stands so far forward, like it's just exposed, and the leg is dead. I mean, within a couple of minutes. Like I, I don't know. I feel like that's how he fights, though. So where his his right leg is f- way forward like that. So like, I, I don't know. From a technical aspect, how do you think that gets corrected? Well, first and foremost, you can you know your footwork has to change. You know, and mm. what happens is you're right. Like he does like to do that where he kind of plants both feet puts his arms high up in the air to kind of measure for his shots. Like he, he, he throws that cross. He likes to, you know, get that jab out there consistently. Um, but really, he's, he's really good at measuring distance against opponents. That's why he has so many knockouts. I saw a stat that he retweeted the other day that it's like there's for every – the UFC average for every fighter that's ever stepped in the octagon, the average um, for knockdowns is every eight and a half minutes of octagon time a UFC fighter will, will record a knockdown. Well, Conor McGregor records a knockdown every minute and a half. And that's because he is so precise. Now, what you have to do is, first of all, you have to time it better. You have to know it's coming. I also listened to a thing this week, Dustin Poirier on, on Embedded said, it wasn't even a game plan to attack the leg. He did it one time, noticed the effect that he had, and just kept going back to it. So he might go into this fight and not even throw one leg kick if that's not part of what he thinks is going to you know, mm-hmm. feel right. Like, Joe, if you've ever been in a fight, um, and I've never been in a real one, like a fist throwing, but mm-hmm. the, the chaos of the moment, even for these trained, you know, phenomenal athletes, a lot of it comes down to reaction and what you do in the moment. And so I think this fight is going to look completely different. I think that both guys are going to come with something different. That's what makes it tactically so fun. What do you think – these are the, the types of questions we get to pretty quick when it comes to Conor McGregor, our like, legacy-style questions, and also like what's next. So let's start with – let's go, let's go to that. If McGregor loses – and I've probably asked you this question for multiple of his fights before, but doesn't it feel like yet again that the guy that 
has had the loudest mouth really in the sport since he showed up, and like he gets paid. Like he last year, Forbes had him as the the athlete in the entire world making the most money, like over even these guys like Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo who are making almost a billion dollars in soccer on their contracts. Like McGregor was the guy listed at number one. Don't you feel like just be just the the his legacy, the respect for what he is as a fighter, as an athlete. To to merit the attention he gets, don't you feel like this is another one where like you, you just you gotta win this fight. You can't have a losing record against a guy that UFC fans would know, but most casual fans really wouldn't. Yeah, this is a dangerous fight for that for for the brand, for the business that is Conor McGregor. I mean, he'll turn 33 years old uh, in a few a week after this fight, a couple days after this fight next week, and so he's he's entering that 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 time of his career where he's still, I want to, I'd argue that, you know, just from an age perspective, he's still going to be hanging on to his prime a little bit, but it's evaporating as we speak. And so this type of blow, a loss in a fight like this, a trilogy fight that he immediately asked for, he probably could have gone a different direction and let this marinate like he did, um, you know, like they did with the the Nate Diaz trilogy. Mm -hmm. They never did that, that fight. It's still out there. The thing here is, though, Connor gets this in his head. Once he loses, he wants to wipe that taste out immediately. It's why he wanted to fight Khabib again, even though everybody thought that that might not be the greatest idea with how that first fight gone. I still think that would, that fight would have been much more competitive in the rematch. But the problem for Connor too, is, you know, look at the, the, the octagon time. He said it himself after the last fight. You, you, sometimes you just can't beat ring rust. I mean, that's, it's, it's there. You can't. You can't be out of practice in this sport because you saw the results. And he, you know, he spent some time doing some boxing. He's been very, very, um, you know, sporadic in terms of, you know, appearing in the octagon. And so this is good. He just fought in the last year. He's coming back off of a full camp where he looks healthy. So all things are pointing in a good direction. And the good thing for him is Poirier is not, I mean, he can take him down. He can like ground and pound him, but he's not the kind of mauler that a Khabib is or even a, a jiu-jitsu master who's going to really, you know, uh, scare him on the ground. So for all intents and purposes, this is probably going to happen on the feet, which is good for Connor. But to your point, if he loses this, do I think it's the end of the Connor McGregor phenomenon? I don't think so, but I, I, I struggle to see how it gets back to this level of excitement. Like the cool thing about this fight is we've been a year without fans, right? There's been a couple events back, since the, you know, since the end of the pandemic for the UFC where they have fans in attendance. But this is the first big Vegas one where they're blowing things out. It's going to be a full house. That walk down to the octagon for Connor is unlike anything in sports. You know, I'm, I'm afraid that we don't ever get it like this again if he loses on Saturday. I think the same way with him. So that's kind of more of a what-if-he-loses type question. I'm not assuming by any means he wins. It's a pick-em fight, and we just saw him lose to Dustin last year. But how about an if-he-wins fight? What do you think would be next for him? The Diaz trilogy. Khabib is gone, like, officially, right? Like, I'm pretty much sure I have that down, right? Yes, he is gone. Um, well, he's gone for now. You never know. I mean, George St. Pierre was gone how many times, and yeah. he ended up coming back for the right fight. But, you know, I think the problem is for Connor, even if he wins, is Dana said the winner of this fight is going to fight for the title. And, you know, Charles Oliveira, man, that is not a great fight for Connor. I mean, the things that he does well, you know, I've seen him get absolutely his bell rung. He's a big 155er and submit a guy off of his back. 
after getting knocked down. I mean, that's the type of guy that I think, you know, hardcore fans have always said could be the kryptonite for Connor. You know, I know wrestlers have long time also been uh, predicted to be that, but he's done okay with some wrestlers. I, I still think, go back to his Chad Mendes fight, and thought he handled that pretty well. And I even thought he handled Khabib in a lot of, you know, uh, match, uh, well, a lot of, like, exchanges in the wrestling game, the grappling game well. Um, but, yeah, Charles Oliveira, I don't love that fight. I even think, you know what a good fight would be, Joe? Mm-hmm. Justin Gagey. Yep. If, if, they don't get, if they don't get him a title shot, let's see some fireworks between the two of them because you know Justin Gagey will stand with him and they will just exchange bombs and that will be another, you know, super fun fight. And then Nate's always there. Right, Nate's always there. How, how about one other one on him for the future? Uh, I know I've seen him and Usman, Kamara Usman, the welterweight champion, who which is a weight class Connor has fought at before, although he's more of a lightweight. Um, I think 175 is more of his walking around weight, he said. He's had exchanges with Usman, but how much of that do you think is just talk? And is there any uh, thought that that might be a fight on, on the radar for him? That is the absolute last fight. <laughs> I don't care what he <laughs> says publicly that he ever wants to take. And, of course, you know, for anybody that follows my uh, you know, Twitter knows or my Instagram, Kamal and I are good friends, and um, there's definitely bias there. But this is a guy who's running the sport, has only been uh, – his only parallel, really, is John Jones. And, you know, he has dominated everybody in every way. The way that he just pieced up Jorge Masvidal on the feet, you know, he, he's still, like, you know um, – developing as a stand-up fighter and some of his best performances have been what he's been able to do with his hands against Colby Covington when he broke his jaw. I mean, he's bigger, he's faster, he's quicker. He'll maul, he'll maul Connor the, I think worse than Khabib. So yeah, stay far, far away from Kamaru Usman, I think for Connor. All right. Two more potential fight questions that are UFC fight questions that are not pertaining to Conor McGregor, who fights Dustin Poirier, UFC 264 on Saturday. Matt Perino, NewYorkUpstate.com, covers the Bills. Uh, used to work for UFC. Joining me, Joe DiBiase here on the Nightcap. A couple more minutes, then we'll get you to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, Francis Ngannou, John Jones. I've been wanting to see that fight for so long. I saw Ngannou about a week ago, two weeks ago, say that he wants the John Jones fight next. But it sounds like money keeps getting in the way there, right? That seems to be the issue, and now he's out, and they're putting together potentially an interim uh, title fight between uh, Cyril Gain, I think, and Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it's a mess. It, it's just more John Jones, you know. That the last seven years, and I, when I was coming up before I started working for the UFC, you know, he's from Endicott, and so I gravitated towards John Jones pretty early just because of the local. Uh, appeal and you know his brother went to Syracuse and there was just like a lot of cool things that you know and he was so good he was so great and all the stuff that's happened with John Jones over the years has really you know soured that you know relationship especially after I left the UFC and I can kind of root again he's hard to root for because you know I get it on one hand you you want that fight um you want to make the money for that fight it's a it's a scary fight against Francis Ngannou don't get me wrong but at the same time I, I don't feel like John Jones is in the position to be the guy that's got all of these crazy demands based on the track record. And, you know, when you really break it down, he's not selling fights like Conor McGregor sells fights or even Khabib sold fights. Uh, he, he's definitely an upper echelon, Anderson Silva-esque you know, type of performer when we're talking about generating buy rates. But he's not the, the be-all, end-all. And I think that to ask for that kind of money, as great of a fight as that is, 
listen, you take the upfront, whatever it is, two to five million, whatever they offer, and then you get a piece of the pie on the pay-per-view. And I think that's a lot of money. And I think we want to see it. I think the longer that we wait, uh, the more disappointing it's going to be. And that's always been the cool thing about the UFC. It's not like boxing where you've got to wait forever to see Joshua fight any of these guys. Right. Uh, and even back in the day, you know, kind of getting, uh, you know, the Lennox Lewis to fight the right guys. It's always been the problem with boxing. So let's figure this out and, and get it done. I think Dana will. I, I always believe in Dana to, to, to cool her head to prevail and, mm-hmm. and to figure it out. You're right. Derek Lewis, Cyril Gain is the interim heavyweight fight, which can be UFC 265, uh, which happens a month from today, uh, August 7th. Also on that card, by the way, Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. It, I don't know anything about Pena. Uh, all I know is Nunez has basically blown out every fighter that she's faced since Ronda Rousey. I mean, she's got to be the most dominant athlete in the sport right now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she's probably a win or two away from me overwhelmingly saying that she's the GOAT. Like, I, 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 like, I love, you know, John Jones, what he's done, Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, there's some people out there, some old-school enthusiasts that argue Fedor. Uh, I'm not one of those people, but uh, there is that group. But Amanda Nunes, man, she's taken out every, you know, legend that she's fought. I mean, she destroyed Cyborg. She destroyed Ronda Rousey. She destroyed Misha Tate. I mean, and, and it's been just win after win. She's got two wins over Valentina Shevchenko, uh, who is, you know, arguably the second most dominant female fighter. They, they weren't pretty. Uh, but Juliana Pena has been talking a lot of trash to get this fight. I like Juliana. Spice that thing up a little bit in that division. But I don't think she stands a chance. Amanda Nunes by destruction, as usual. And then finally, from Dana White today, you had, uh, I saw a tweet that Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler was a fight that was in the works, not official yet, for a co-main event in September. Nick Diaz has not fought in the UFC since 2015 in a no contest against Anderson Silva. That's well before I was a UFC fan, and I imagine, I mean, there are, I'm sure are a lot of fans like me that, like, Conor McGregor kind of got brought me into the sport, and Nick, D, Nick Diaz precedes that. So why should I care about Diaz, and what version of him do you think we'd be getting at 37 years old? It's the same reason that we that everybody gets hyped for Nate. It's it's they bring the show every time. You know what I mean? It's the last fight that he had against Anderson Silva, and the subsequent uh, I think suspension that he had was for marijuana. Which I, the big news today was that you know uh, sanctioning bodies are no longer going to penalize fighters for testing positive for marijuana. Which Nick Diaz, looking back at his career and all the issues he's had with it, it's uh, it's a tough pill to swallow. But he, he fought Robbie Lawler at UFC 47 back in 2004. So it's going to be 17 years uh, between fights for those two. It's a nostalgic uh, trip down memory, memory lane. And both guys, you know, even as recently as I think two, two and a half years ago, Robbie Lawler had that unbelievable fight with Ben Askren. Uh, and he always brings the pain. And Nick Diaz is just, he's just uh, a guy that the Diaz brand is there the hardcore old school fan is going to be there to watch him. And he just, he has a way to engage people and uh, it's going to be fun. If they, if they can get that done and make that fight, I'll, I'll be excited for it. And it's a co-main event. And I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. setting for the Diaz brothers, get them paid, put them in the co-main event slot, make it a five round fight. And look at, we almost had fireworks in the fifth when uh, Nate almost dropped Leon Edwards. So uh, I'm excited for that. 
Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, at Matt Perino on Twitter. Matt, I always learn something from you when we talk UFC. I love doing it, and uh, enjoy the fight Saturday, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Hey, family, buddy. Have a great uh, vacation. Thanks, man. You too. Uh, Matt Perino there on the West Her Hotline. Uh, a lot of good UFC talk there. We got to go, though, because we've got hockey next. Montreal, Tampa Bay. We will see if the NHL season ends tonight. Puck drops at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts next here on WGR. I will rejoin you on Tuesday. Enjoy Corey Griswold's editions of the Nightcap tomorrow and Friday. I know Corey will do a great job. Last Friday's episode was really good. Uh, so tune in for that tomorrow at 7 o'clock here on WGR. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.